Today on Ag News Daily. Everybody's looking at how fast can we get trucks in and out of the field, make sure we're keeping the grain away from the combine, keeping that combine running in the field so we're not uh, we're not putting hours on something that's not needed. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a Friday, September 16th edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast, sponsored today by Your Soy Checkoff. Tanner, did you miss my beautiful voice this week on the podcast? Absolutely. That's the answer I would say no matter what question you asked around missing you. Uh huh. Okay, good. You're getting better. You're getting uh, to be more well trained. Just giving me the answer I want to hear. Uh, that's funny. Yep. And I'm sure our listeners feel the same. It was a a good week of news. I hope you had a great vacation. I didn't go on vacation. That's what <laughs> killed me the other day on the podcast. I listened to you guys on Tuesday to check to make sure you did everything you're supposed to be doing. And I noticed you mentioned I was on vacation when, in fact, I most certainly was not, Tanner. I was in North Carolina, Pamlico County, North Carolina, which is on the coast, and visiting a very nice farmer there, Owen Peel. He just put up a new 350,000 grain bin setup. Tanner, it's quite the setup. It was very impressive. So shooting some footage there of that new facility. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you were uh, putting some time in. Appreciate that. Little insights for listeners didn't get misled. I'm going to jump into our first news article from across the seas about Germany seizing three Russian refineries. So uh, this comes as the Russia European countries are in the shadow of a war in Ukraine battling over energy. So now Germany has seized control of three Moscow linked oil refineries on Friday morning. This is an escalation from previous just threatens and discussion. The German government placed shares of the refineries, uh, as labeled here. I'm going to butcher the names, Delaney P, CK, Schwett, Miro, Kalruz, and Bayer Noel under their control. All three of those are Russian owned refineries by the company Rosneft. The decision is accompanied by a comprehensive package for the future. This will provide transformational boost to the region and support refinery issues to ensure supply of oil via alternative supply routes is available. Germany's economy ministry said the European Union has accused Moscow of using energy as a weapon of war and Russia is limiting the supply of natural gas to countries in that region. This is uh, now receiving sanctions from the Kremlin for its invasions on Ukraine. The European Union has committed to slashing its dependence on Russian oil, claiming that it has fueled Moscow's war against Ukraine. Rosneft Deutschland is one of the largest oil processors in Germany, making up 12% of the processing capacity, and now three of their refineries are under German control. Well, Tanner, speaking of Russia, they met with President Xi Jinping of China yesterday at the Shanghai Cooperation Organ, or SCO summit, while leaders from other while leaders from many other Asian nations also joined as well. But Xi and Putin met to fit to discuss the continued growth in China-Russian relations, 
especially involving trade and cooperation. Uh, Xi said that he has a desire to cooperate with Russia and support them and, you know, hopes that they have the same expression as well. And Putin expressed that he supported the one China policy relative to their desire to control Taiwan. So it seems those two are uh, very strongly in bed together, Tanner, so to speak, and continuing to find ways that they can partner together and uh, be allies against a lot of Western nation countries. Yeah, an interesting headline. I had seen that this morning. I tell you what, though, here back in the state of Iowa, two groups of people that are not allies is landowners against those running carbon pipelines. The landowners that were previously brought up in an article we shared last week uh, that were sued had a lawsuit filed against them by Navigator CO2 Ventures, claiming the landowners barred the company and the company's agents from conducting surveys on the land and in two instances threatened with physical harm. Landowners are pushing back saying that the Iowa law, the Iowa law that allows for them to come and do the survey violates the state's constitution. So now these landowners are arguing back in court. They have an attorney from the state of Nebraska stating that it is inherent of landowners' property rights and the right to exclude others from their land. The attorney is stating that those surveys, even though are a crucial part of plotting the route, are trespassing. And if you look at the eminent domain law states that should come with just compensation. So even though the law currently does state that it allows pipeline surveys to be done, these farm owners are now looking at pushing back, stating that the law is unjust. I mean, I, I am no expert at all when it comes to legal matters, Delaney, but uh, if the law states one thing and you're arguing that the law should be changed, that's going to be a tough battle to win. Of course, Navigator CO2 declined comment in this article about the pending litigation, but it certainly doesn't look to be one that'll get resolved quietly. Well, Tanner, something that didn't get resolved quietly, but is getting resolved is a lawsuit of current and former poultry workers who alleged major U.S. chicken processors conspired to suppress wages. And they asked a Maryland federal court to approve $84.8 million in the settlement pushing the total recovery so far in this litigation to more than $134,000. Sanderson, based in Laurel, Mississippi, agreed to $38.3 million. Wayne Farms, based in Oakwood, Georgia, says it would pay $31.5 million. And Minneapolis-based Cargill agreed to pay $15 million in this settlement. The companies, however, of course, denied any wrongdoing as part of the settlement. But Tanner, typically people don't settle unless they're guilty is my general rule of thumb. You said it. I was thinking it. Uh, Usually it's a more efficient process for one reason or the other. Certainly uh, gives off that vibe. Let's pause here real quick for a good message for our partner this week. Who mapped the soybean genome? You did. Yes, you. Better varieties are on the way. Today's soybean farmers, that's you, are achieving big breakthroughs in seed. How? By pooling your resources through your soy checkoff. Your soy checkoff research sequenced the soybean genome to help seed companies and other researchers bring better varieties faster to your operation. See all the ways your soy checkoff is moving soy forward for you at unitedsoybean.org slash hopper. 
Great. Thank you for that message from our strategic partner. Farmers are facing layers of state regs that could produce issues. So pork producers, again, are in the spotlight and at risk if SCOTUS doesn't toss out California's Prop 12. We've reported on this quite a bit, Delaney. Pork producers and other farmers nationally would be faced with meeting multiple conflicting state welfare standards, welfare standards if the U.S. Supreme Court lets California's Prop 12 stand. The National Pork Producers Council met on Thursday with Supreme Court to provide their arguments, also alongside the American Farm Bureau Federation, that against state of California and the Humane Society of the United States over Proposition 12. To remind our listeners or those who haven't heard of it before, California's Farm Animal Confinement Initiative was passed by voters in 2018 that sets confinement standards for sows, veal calves, egg laying hens, and bans the sale of any pork, veal, or egg products that don't meet California's standards. That law seeks to apply California's standard on any pork producing facility across the nation. So that's why these leaders are trying to get that issue taken care of. This is a national issue now that is being put underneath the microscope because of the state of California. Now they're stating farmers are caught in the middle. Scott Hayes, the president-elect and Missouri farmer said further issues come when Prop 12 could be allowed that other states are now gonna come up with conflicting levels of standard procedures and we won't know which ones will have a hierarchy without a federal ruling in place. Of course, Delaney, we've had a lot of frustrations over the perception that this has caused. California does account for more than 15% of domestic pork sales. That level requires production from roughly 750,000 sows and California only has 8,000 sows. So this is a big issue. It's coming back to light again. And uh, leaders were out in DC on Thursday, continuing to plead their case as to why Prop 12 should not be implemented. Yeah, this is certainly a sticky situation, Tanner, for a lot of folks in the swine industry that are just concerned about what the future of this looks like. Absolutely. But Tanner, one thing that we do know what the future looks like here is continued drought. In Argentina, specifically here, Argentina's main farming zones are facing the driest conditions in around 30 years, according to agricultural experts, and said that fears about a new great drought and stalling of planting uh, is very likely at this point in the year. But the vast pompous plains of Argentina are hitting the start of corn planting now after almost no rainfall in about four months, Tanner. So some forecasts are predicting more dry weather ahead and very scarce, scarce shadow, blah, scarce showers. Um, but, you know, Argentina is definitely a very large corn and uh, more specifically soy exporter. So, this is a very interesting situation, to say the least, Tanner, because as uh, we continue to report here on the podcast, it seems likely that the U.S. corn and soybean crops continue to shrink as well. And if we have that in Ukraine, if we have that in Argentina or Brazil, it could be very tight supplies here globally moving forward. Yeah, that's correct. And I was just going to reflect on that conversation we had Monday, stating how tight our supplies were and we needed a near perfect South American crop. And the number three world exporter, Argentina, is off to a slow start. 
We reported earlier this week, Delaney, on the amount of rain coming across the southwestern portion of the United States causing flash floods. We now have a new tropical storm, Fiona, heading towards Puerto Rico and may head up the peninsula of Florida. So that is going to pose threats to the Caribbean islands this weekend. And we will look to see what that's going to do for the eastern coast of the United States. But here in central Iowa, rainfall is expected just spotty here in Iowa and uh, eastern Nebraska. Maybe some additional chances for thunderstorms as we get into football Saturday. Missouri and western Illinois may have some storms that fire up this weekend. Of course, really not the time of year for welcomed weather as we get ready for harvest. But it looks like... Uh, not going to amount to a whole lot. Of course, Oklahoma has some chances for some more severe weather. Fire weather is what is being uh, touted here. So watch out for some lightning strikes in an area that has been in a spot of a lack of rainfall, kind of like Argentina. Yeah, we're really seeing weather kind of take the cake here for news related to the commodity markets. And it's going to remain that way, of course, until most areas get harvested, which Tanner, I have not seen a ton of combines rolling yet here across central Iowa. I don't know about you. No, definitely silage and earlage. Uh, a couple of early bean fields being taken out, but I think in the next 10 to 14 days, you'll see a lot of combines running. Uh, while you were talking weather there briefly, I found another headline here in Alaska some of the worst coastal flooding in 50 years Mm. could be happening. They're bracing right now for dangerous weather as remnants of Typhoon Merbach move toward the Bering Sea region. Forecasters are predicting this storm is going to hit Friday evening with water levels up to 11 feet higher than normal tide. Uh, That one kind of slipped underneath the radar for me. So our friends up there and listeners from Alaska need to take cover, especially if you are on the coast. But that wraps up the news I've got today. Let's pause one more time for a message from our sponsor before you wrap this up. Who's the number one protein source in chicken feed? You are. That's right. You're winning. Today's soybean farmers, that's you, are really big in animal egg. How? By pooling your resources through your soy checkoff. Your soy checkoff is working with poultry and livestock producers, growing existing relationships and forging new ones to bring tangible returns back to you. See all the ways your soy checkoff is moving soy forward for you at unitedsoybean.org slash hopper. Well, Tanner, I have just one final piece of news here before we hit the markets. And this is a little bit of controversial news. I'm sure that the ag community will not receive well, but President Joe Biden has said that his administration is formally backing biotechnology and more specifically, lab-grown meat. In an executive order, Biden said that the U.S. government is dedicated to investing in biotechnology that will advance the U.S.'s food security, with the document specifically acknowledging the promise of, quote, cultivating alternative food sources and looking to improve food security and drive agricultural innovation through new technologies, including foods made with cultured animal cells. Tanner, I don't think that one will be well received. Yeah, that seems like it was trying to get slipped in there. That is uh, going to definitely be one of debate. Um, I had seen that as well, and it kind of caught me off guard. It did uh, did me as well a little bit. 
um, you know, because he hasn't really made a lot of public comments about it and still tries to pretend maybe to be an alliance with agriculture. I'm not sure what the best way to to uh, summarize that is, but now he's made definitely a very clear stand that feels like shots fired at uh, animal agriculture. So everybody can do with that piece of information as they see fit, Tanner. But looking at today's commodity markets, we are seeing right across the screen here in corn and soybeans and wheat. New crop corn trading around four cents lower here at the midday at 673. New crop soybeans down about eight cents at 1443. December Chicago wheat is seven cents lower at midday at 838. And in the livestock pits, we're seeing some mixed trade here. December live cattle down about 45 cents at new at the midday here at 150.85. October feeders are 55 cents lower at a buck 80. And lean hogs are actually the only market today here at the midday trading higher, 17 and a half cents at 96.22 and a half in the October contract. Now Tanner. We still have a little bit of great content left over here from the Farm Progress Show. And I know this is one that you did or got to do with uh, Sookup while we were broadcasting from their booth. That's right. And my co-host on the Farm for Profit podcast joined us on that one, Corey Hillibos. You'll hear a new voice here, but the content is worth sharing because it preaches safety as we get to harvest when you are in and around grain storage and grain handling equipment and some of the latest technology around what you can do to keep your grain in the best conditions. Let's jump into our conversation with Randy. Yeah, really appreciate that invitation there. This is a lot of fun. We're going to learn about, I would say, some of the most innovative grain handling equipment in the industry. And like Corey has said time and time again, the Sukup relationship is fun because it just seems like not only are the products top tier, but the people are top tier. Yep. And this show, I think, has, I mean, the first two days were packed and couldn't ask for better weather. What's been the most uh, interest you've gotten on, on a product? Okay. Well, I'm, the, the most people come into the booth, I mean, our advertised paddle sweep has been by far the talk of the show. Um, people are always coming in. Uh, we've done a very good job with our advertising team getting that out there so people can see that. Uh, they're coming in, they're, they're wanting to know, learn about it, uh, have had a ton of interest in, in places where they can put these in their bins and in their, their systems. And why are people interested in a paddle sweep? Well, the paddle sweep is, is definitely, um, it cleans the floor, right? So it gets right down to that, that hot cut or, or heavy duty per floor that you got in that bin takes all that grain to the center so there's nothing left there for them to come in and have to shovel or broom or move um and obviously the safety aspect of that so nobody wants to get into the bin it's unsafe to get in the bin so when you got a sweep like this there's no need for you to get into that grain bin and i remember the conversation we had at louisville that that's one of the main focuses of sukub is safety safety of individuals what was the saying? John said something like, you can't spell safety without Sukup, or what? There's a saying that you guys have. Safety is ingrained in Sukup. Oh. That, that is correct. Safety is ingrained in Sukup, and we've got all of our safety features here on display uh, at the Farm Progress Show. We've got uh, the new safety door, too, that uh, people come in and uh, definitely have had some conversations on. Yeah, it seems like it, it's inevitable. It's every couple months um, you hear that tragic news of, 
someone getting getting killed in a grain bin or getting injured even and uh it, it you never want to hear that because it's usually completely preventable and so that's what you guys are trying trying to do is make that easier for us to prevent so that's that's i'm happy you're doing that yes and, and making people aware that uh there, there are those risks out there every day and there's tools out there to prevent it awesome what about uh i did want to talk about the paddle sweep a little bit more so most of these the conventional form of uh what do you call it a, a, just a grain sweep yeah it's just an auger it's an auger right? sweep and correct and so that's where the safety comes in because you're not in there pushing it you usually have to broom and, and scoop behind it but i'm the one that you have in your bin in here looks like that thing stays in the bin right correct yes all of the commercial sweeps uh whether um it, it's the farm commercial line they all stay in the bin we do have and offer a a farmer duty uh paddle sweep that is a retrofit um for people that have like a tube and well grain system they don't have the gearboxes to hook up to uh, we have one that has a direct drive. It's got a reducer with a C-face motor mounted vertically in there to keep the cooling fins and everything uh, dust-free. Uh, it does require you to go in and plug it in um, and then go out, turn it on, and, and let it run. So that's available. Uh, I've had a lot of interest in that as well here today. So you can make your old bins safer. Correct. Great. Yeah, that's a big plus, and it's fun to see the technology because until Louisville, I had never seen a paddle sweep, and to be able to see it in person, it really demonstrates how technology is advancing even inside of a grain bin. When you look around the Farm Progress show, and that's what everybody is touting is what's the newest innovation, and it's fun to see that that is happening at Sukup through the grain handling, but we got to get the grain into the bin before we can use a paddle sweep. Correct. That is exactly right. So what are some new uh, in innovative ideas or ways that Sukup is making sure that grain gets there? So the newest product we have here today um, is our triple run conveyor. So it, it gets its name. It's got three basically different functionalities that we can use it with. Uh, we can use it for a single uh, unloading receiving pit. We also have an option to do a dual receiving pit. So if somebody's got a semi-trailer, they want to dump both both hoppers at the same time, they don't want to move that truck forward, they can dump both pits. Um, it'll go from anywhere from 4,000 to 10,000 bushel an hour. Wow. Um, and then the, the third thing that we can use it for is like a reclaim system. So even underneath your grain bins or put it in front of a row of bins and dump into it and come up at a 45 or 30 degree angle to feed a leg or something, another option. That's why we call it a triple run conveyor because it's got a lot of different uses out there. This is the first show we've showed this piece of equipment out here. So you'd look for the towers and the structures and that triple run conveyor is right there for you to, to take a look at and kick the tires on. I don't know if I've seen that yet. We're going to have to walk over there when I get done here. I'm just thinking of our listeners are sitting there going, they if they don't have the ability to dump both hoppers at the same time without moving their truck are just jealous of the opportunity that somebody has to be able to dump both hoppers at the same time. And then the capacity there is is are you seeing trends going towards more capacity on farm? Is there a lot more of the operations you guys work with trying to generate that extra level of efficiency? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. I mean, every farm is is looking at how they can become more efficient. So it's very expensive to have the combine sit out in the field and, and run and not do anything, right? I mean, there's a lot of hours on a machine that's very expensive to maintain and operate. So 
everybody's looking at how fast can we get trucks in and out of the field, make sure we're keeping that grain away from the combine, keeping that combine running in the field so we're not uh, we're not putting hours on something that's not needed. That's great. I that it's almost safety too having being able to dump both hoppers. You don't have to hop in that truck and move it and ergonomics and things like that. So even though you probably didn't plan on to be safety, it is. It, right, yeah. I know another question that we've gotten from people walking through, at least we've overheard them asking you guys, is there seems like a supply issue with a lot of different vendors. So how has Suka been managing the parts availability or these new products availability? Sure, I can see a demo, but can I get some? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we've seen some issues early on in the year. Uh, we took some different approaches. So we've put, uh, we've, we kind of got with our purchasing team. Uh, we had a lot of good order in, orders early on in the season. So we were able to look at uh, a scope 12 to 16 weeks out. We were able to start purchasing parts for what we're using, uh, the steel that we're using. So we can kind of get ahead of that. Uh, some of the supply chain, though, is still pretty tight today. Bearings, uh, reducers, things like that can can still hold us up, uh, especially some of the larger items right now. Um, but availability, most of our products, especially on the grain handling side, you know, a couple of weeks even we can get some of those. Uh, there are some of them, like the triple run, some of those we're probably looking more at that six to eight week range. Uh, paddle sweeps, probably in that five to six week week range. So some of the items, just depending on what we're using, uh, do get a little, little further out. I think you guys make quite a few of your own material right so that probably has to help out a lot with with the parts yeah that that is one of the things that uh, sukup have done very well over the years we try to control our own destiny so to speak by having control of what we make so most of the things we make but you know like the bearings um reducers there's some gearboxes that we use on some of the products that that we don't manufacture we do manufacture some of our own gearboxes as well so those uh we don't have any trouble with but some of those ones we purchase you know just just getting some of those parts in them uh has been kind of a struggle for some of our suppliers this year and i don't think you're alone i, I we've had a lot of conversations here at the farm progress show that there's been more of a focus on supply chain management and also building those relationships with your suppliers because that's what the farmers are doing with Sukup is there's a trusted relationship there and you're expected to perform or at least to communicate in a realistic time frame. Correct, yes, and that's what they want. They want to know when they're going to get their stuff. They want it to an accurate date when they're going to receive it. And that's that. Those are the things that we're trying to get with our suppliers as well, that they're getting, hey, this is when we can get your stuff. If it's going to be late, is there a sub that we can go with or how can we uh, move forward so we're not delaying these products that need to be used yet this fall? That's great. So why don't you tell the listeners where the next place they can see, maybe you don't know, Where's the next trade show that they'll be able to take a look at the paddle sweep and the triple run conveyor and all the other great products Sukup has to offer? Well, if they're not here in the great state of Iowa, we are going to be in Nebraska at Husker Harvest Days. That's going to be coming up, and I know that we're going to have a display in there where they can look at some of these new products and kick the tires on them if uh, if they need to need a need for a sweep in the bin or receiving. We'll have it all there for them to to look at. Any other new products that? Uh you can hint at, at maybe coming down the pipeline that we might be seeing in the next year or two? Well, I know there's been 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 a lot of talk about, uh, you know, controlling fans and, and things like that automatically. I know there's things that, uh, that we're definitely working on uh, towards that direction. So those might be things to, to look us up at here in the near future. 
Very cool. That's great. Well, thanks again, Randy, for jumping on. Sukup, thank you for having us here at Farm Progress Show. If you guys want to find them in person, it's Husker Harvest Day, September 13th through the 15th. If you want to look up their products online, it is www.sukup.com. So, Randy, thanks again for jumping on. Hey, thank you, gentlemen. Thanks. Delaney, it was such a fun experience at the Farm Progress Show. I hope we continue to travel to trade shows as we get after harvest and more of those winter shows pop up. Remember, listeners, find us, Ag News Daily, on all of your social media platforms. And I was going to give you a hard time that you missing out on being on the podcast is the reason we've almost retracted all of our mm-hmm. commodity price gains since Monday. Because it seems like we've been in a downhill slide ever since oh, we it's, got the report. It's just bad luck then. When I leave, the markets <laughs> go lower. I need to be on the podcast. That's right. Well, last thing I can say before we close out this Friday edition is go Cyclones. And uh, what do you say? Is it time to let the listeners go? Let's let them go. Let's let them go.